Hello, this is Yaro, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Today's guest is Gideon Shalwick. In today's episode, I have something a little bit different for you. Normally, the EJ podcast focuses on people who are bloggers or content creators who then sell their own digital teaching products. Today, my guest Gideon, who is a great friend of mine for many, many years, is going to share the story behind his two businesses that represent the services arbitrage business model, which simply put means they're businesses that sell services online. And as you're going to hear, they use some software, but they're also very much powered by human beings. So services arbitrage basically means you're hiring other people to deliver services for you, and then you're selling those services as the value your business provides. I actually released a course recently inside my Laptop Lifestyle Academy on this business model where I explain how I did it with an essay editing business And I thought it'd be fantastic for Gideon to come on the show today and talk about how he's built, uh, in fact, a a multi-million dollar business now around services arbitrage. You're going to hear two examples, two great stories of how Gideon started these businesses and how they're currently running today. If you haven't already done so, make sure you go to interviewsclub.com and sign up to the email list. That way you're going to get an email every time I release a new interview like this one with Gideon. So to make sure you're one of the first people to receive these interviews as soon as they're released, go to interviewsclub.com. Now here is Gideon Shalwick. Hi, this is Yara Stark, and I have possibly the longest term entrepreneur friend on the line with me. I was trying to think if there's anyone else I've known longer in the entrepreneur internet marketing space. It might be a couple of people who are pretty close to my guests, but definitely, uh, I don't want to call you my oldest friend, but we've had a long relationship online. So my guest today is uh, Mr. Gideon Shawick, who today, I I guess I'm going to say you're from V-Roll. That's probably how I should introduce you. So uh, is that correct, Gideon? Mm, yeah, that sounds good, Yarrow. Sounds great. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's such a back catalog now I can talk about with you as an introduction. Uh, obviously, I met you when you were being a pioneer in video marketing, and uh, that was way back when the technology wasn't so easy and you were making it work. And then we combined forces to do the Become a Blogger project, which turned out to be a, a million-dollar selling course. And then you went on to uh, another YouTube project or another video project with uh, another mutual friend, uh, JJ, with doing the Magic Channel. That another business came out mm-hmm. of that. And then uh, you went to Splashio, which is a business I'd like to talk about today and now currently V-Roll. Uh, and those two in particular, I really brought Gideon on for today's episode because uh, he has tapped into a business model that I have used myself with the previous business before I was a blogger, before I was a podcaster. And Gideon's done tremendously well now with it. And I'll I'll introduce services arbitrage in a moment, but I just want to make sure, Gideon, did I forget anything that you've done? (laughs) So many things now. Yeah, man, you forgot a whole lot, but we don't have (laughs) enough time to talk about it all. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, it's safe to say you well and truly have been, uh, you know, living the laptop lifestyle and and, uh, making a living from internet business for, for many, many years now. And You've done multiple millions right. online and uh, in multiple business business formats, so lot, tons of experience to tap into. But 
I'm excited because we're talking about what it's fair to say is your most current knowledge, your most uh, recent business experience, your most uh, profitable revenue-wise business as well. So, um, But just a bit of context for people before I ask Gideon some questions. Uh, the purpose of today's podcast really is to look at the services arbitrage model and in particular this fantastic case study that Gideon uh, is going to talk about or two almost. And what that is, if you've never heard of that phrase, because it's not something I've actually talked about much on the podcast, this podcast predominantly focuses on blogging and before that, uh, a range of entrepreneurial activities. Uh, but now that this episode is kind of focusing on something that, I mean, I know I've interviewed a few guests before who probably were using the business model, but I didn't call it services arbitrage. And uh, I think it's a nice way to basically introduce this concept, which simply means you start a business that taps into services provided by other people. So uh, essentially you're connecting a customer base with a contractor, uh, consultant, still depending, and you'll see with Gideon's example, it can be even to deliver something that looks like software, but is actually being delivered by um, human beings on the back end. So, uh, it, and it can be all kinds of different business models. I had simple one myself. I had an edit essay editing company, uh, but Gideon's example is, is quite different. So, um, we're going to jump straight into, I think, uh, the, the, the first example Gideon with you, because I, 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 it's just such a clear example of services arbitrage. So can you give us the background of how, Splashio came into existence. What you know? Where was the little spark of the idea in the very, very first place? Mm, yeah, really good question, Yaro. Um, you know, as, as you said and, and mentioned in the introduction, I've you know, I've been involved in, in quite a few businesses. I mean, way back about ten or eleven years ago, when I decided to become an entrepreneur, I I was really keen on creating something that um, had a few things. Uh, that were important to me and that, that was was important for the business to have as well. And that was uh, one of them, it, it had to be a location independent business. I really didn't want to be stuck in any particular um, area of, you know, physical area. So that was really important. Another one was that it had to be leverageable um, and, and profitable as well. And so, uh, you know, and of course, another one, also, probably most important was that it had to be something that I actually really enjoyed as well and that I felt I could express my creativity in. So the first two businesses I created were very much along those lines, but all of them uh, up until Splashio uh, involved basically me and my brain for that business to work. I had to be present uh, constantly for that businesses to for those businesses to work. And while they they met all those criteria, um, you know, there was one criteria that it didn't meet that I only, you know, thought about later on, and that was that it also needs to be a sellable entity, you know, that can function independently of me. And you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, that's that's a pretty important thing. You know, a lot of us, uh, especially at the beginning stages, we, you know, one of our driving forces is freedom. And uh, you know, so while I was able to make a lot of money and build a nice profile with those beginning businesses, they didn't end up giving me as much freedom as I wanted because you know, I couldn't just leave it for a year or even six months or even three months, you know, because then, you know, the income would drop or the business would would uh, would start failing. So um, the the thing that brought this about was actually the birth of uh, our first daughter, Lucy, and uh, it was a bit of a wake up call because. 
when she was born, she she came six. Oh no, what is it? Six weeks early. She was really early, totally unexpected <laughs> for us. <laughs> early, early. She came at the right time, but it was earlier than we expected. Put it that way. Um, and um, you know, I was taken out of my my work role, and so I couldn't really work in the business anymore. You know, little Lucy was in the what do you call it, the intensive care sort of unit for babies. It's got a special name. Premature birth. Yeah. yeah. Premature birth booth or whatever they call it. And um, so I was out of action and I was thinking, hmm, it's not so good. My business, you know, it's, you know, it's going to take a bit of a hit now. And also thinking ahead, you know, what if something actually happens to me in the future? And there's my wife. She's Tinika. She's, uh, you know, bringing up Lucy and, you know, now we've got two children actually. So there's two children to be bringing up. What happens if, if something happens to me? You know, she's pretty busy looking after the kids at the moment. Um, and, you know, we needed something that could function independently of us. And so that's why we decided to to launch into the Splash Air business because that was – you know, truly more of a, a branded or brand-based business rather than a personality-based business. And if you look at it, you know, it's everything that's set up is in a way so that it can function independently of me. And that's exactly – so it's it's really met that criteria as well. How did the idea itself come into creation? Because – uh, I mean, first you probably should explain what Splashio is for those who don't know. Uh, but yeah. it is very much linked to the previous industry you were in with your other businesses, right? Absolutely, yeah. So I mean, throughout my career, I've always just had this this natural interest in video, you know, for the last decade or even since I was – I think when I was five, I remember watching a, uh, a news uh, program, a news episode, and the – the anchor, this lady, the anchor lady, for some reason, I, I, she just, um, just appealed to me that the, the role that she had on TV there. I thought, I want to, I want to be like a, a news anchor one day, or I want to be on TV one day. You know, that's that sort of desire kicked in when I was about five. And since then, I've always had this interest in video and, and what it can do for me personally, but also being able to reach a wide audience. And so when I started my career as an entrepreneur 10 years ago, that's one of the first things I started doing. I started looking at video. Uh, and, and to use that for, uh, you know, reaching global audiences very quickly and very easily. At the beginning, it was really tough, actually, because <laughs> the technology was just really, really bad. Um, but now it's so, so easy. And so um, everything I did really had a video component in it. And, you know, that's why we connected the, the first time as well to become a blogger. Because, you know, if I remember right, you asked me to create the first 10 videos uh, for the Become a Blogger series, and and that went really well. We had like I think we had a three hundred thousand downloads before we actually launched, right? Which was pretty awesome. But um, just before Splashio, the, uh, there was actually another business that that we that we created or that we were about to create, and it was called we called it Flickdesk. And the idea was that we would create a business very similar to Odesk. It was called Odesk at the, at the time. Now it's called Upwork. But basically, uh, a freelancing kind of um, marketplace. Uh, but instead of between all kinds of jobs and and um, people looking for those jobs, uh, or for the people to do the jobs, we said let's just hone in just on video editing and see what can happen there. So me and a friend of mine, uh, Nick McIntosh, we we started that together, and um, we probably worked on it for about I can't remember three months, six months. Um, and it turned out to be just really, really hard. 
uh, and much harder than than we than we thought. Um, and at that point, uh, Nick and I, you know, we Nick was traveling, and you know, it, things were just not going as well for for Flickdex. So so we started, you know, decided to to change things up a bit. And and so we we created this this business called Splashio, and we said like okay, instead of trying to do everything for everybody, let's let's find something within that service that we could do for people that is much much more narrow, and that's something that we can just actually automate as well. And I, I must give credit here to Will Swain, a common friend of ours. He um, introduced me to, um, goodness gracious, I've just forgotten the. The author and the book name now, but <laughs> the, the book was all about um, productizing your your service. Um, you might remember the name Yara. I can't remember now, but no. you know. Anyway, that that book was very instrumental, and it'll probably pop into my head later on in, in the call. So stay tuned. Um, you know, and, and it was all about looking at your service and going, okay, what is the what is the most basic thing that you can take out of that service? And, and just systemize that. Maybe not automate it, but systemize it at, at least. And so that's exactly what we did for, for Splash Show. We said, okay, well, we can do the intros. The intros look, look like something a lot of people want, like the, you know, like a logo animation. Mm-hmm. Let's, um, let's kickstart with that and, and see what happens. And, um, and that was the beginning of it. Yeah. So just to clarify, Flickdesk was meant to be like an outsourcing connecting marketplace for all types of video production work. Was that the summary? Correct. Yeah, correct. And it was just, we just tried to bite off, uh, you know, way too much at, at that time. And, and we, you know, we realized that when we, it was a, a, a very difficult thing for us to pull off at the beginning. And it's interesting, you know, we, we looked at what happened later on. Uh, a year later, I, I just looked, I just happened to be surfing the web in that space. And I saw a number of other businesses essentially doing, you know, exactly the model of Flickdesk. So it was obviously, obviously a model that, that, was, that was worthwhile pursuing, but it was just too hard for us at, at that particular mm-hmm. point. And, um, yeah, so we just wanted to simplify it, you know, and, and that's the other thing. I, um, you know, the the further I go down in business, the the more I appreciate the, the value of just keeping it super simple. And you know that eighty twenty rule. What is the what is the top twenty percent of things you can do that'll give you eighty percent of the results? Or even more significant, what what's the top four percent of things that you can do that can give you sixteen times the results of of everything else? So Splasher was certainly down that path. Okay, so you decide to narrow in on video intros so the little snippet of video that you might play at the start of your videos that you release on youtube almost like your branding or your your theme with your logo sort of thing yeah uh, how do you put together the splashio service like what i mean obviously you built the website um, did you have a contractor ready to go to produce video intros like from day one and then you went out and tried to get customers how did it sort of roll out as a, a beta test yeah, at, at the beginning, the way we tested it was with um, we actually had a very different offer back then. Uh, we we did custom animated um, uh, video intros for people, uh, or um, we called them splashios. And so these were like five seconds long, max. You know, and this, this, normally the shorter the better. Like, but you you want to hover around three three seconds for an intro, otherwise it just gets too long. And we, you know, and basically all it was, we'd, we'd get the logo from our clients 
and then we'd animate it with some fancy video animations. And and we, we had an animator in um, in the Philippines that did that work for us. So you know we we charged something like I think it was five hundred US dollars um, for that, wow. and it sold really well. You know <laughs> we had a lot of people buying that, um, but I still thought you know this is cool, but it, it's still too hard because <laughs> you know, it meant that I had to um, either me or someone else had to speak to uh, um, a client, <laughs> and being a laptop lifestyle as you'd say and and loving the location independent kind of businesses i i thought how can we systemize this even more so that you know we don't even have to talk to customers at all and and that's when we decided to you know to template a lot of our work mm. and and to sell the you know sell the output of the templates so people could now select from a range of templates and um and, and just submit their logo, and then we still had someone in the Philippines who did the work for us. Uh, but this time, you know, previously it would take us about a week to to get a job back, um, and it would cost five hundred dollars. Uh, now, if you go to Splash, you, know, you know, you can get um, you can get your video intro done, you know, within a day or so, and it, it's uh, it's still a manual service. I mean, um, from day one, from day one, the idea was to completely automate it with software, but you know, I, I never just I never quite got around to that um, to to build a, a team, and and the reason was it, was, it never the the automation of it uh, never became a bottleneck in the business. So you know why automate if it's not if it's not a bottleneck? And that was actually a really big lesson. You know that um, you don't always have to automate everything with software. You can if it's not a bottleneck in most cases, not not in all, but in most cases if it's not a bottleneck, there's no need to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to turn it into a software automation tool. Yeah, I went, I went through the exact same experience with uh, Better Edit. I, you, know, right. you look at a service and you see the human beings deliver it and you think, well, I could take even more out of this, like remove more human function by having a, a piece of software where people can enter details manually and then the process can happen. Mm. And I actually did start building it. I, I, I invested $3,000 on a uh, the first phase of what would have been a twelve thousand dollar piece of software, and once I reached that three thousand dollar point, I actually cancelled and said, "Listen, this is, this is. I'm going to spend twelve thousand dollars to turn what was already a nice and simple manual service just through emails and human beings to a much more complicated mm. service using software." And I was like, "This yeah. is crazy." And uh, and sometimes having a human actually turns out to deliver better service because you get that human touch. So, but I'm curious right. to go back with your, your $500 example, that must've been a much more customized type of video yeah. than what you produce today for, for people, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we, I think we, we even charged up to a thousand dollars, uh, for some, depending on, you know, what we had to do. Um, but still they were only like five seconds long, you know, so not very long at all. Um, yeah. but, um, yes, each one of those were completely custom, 100% unique. Uh, whereas with the templates, you know, you could, um, you, you know, the animation is the same depending on, you know, which template you take. But what's beautiful about even the templates, the way we set it up, is that if you're using your own logo and 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 um, your own music, for example, you can still get a very unique um, look and, and feel out of the whole thing. So so even though it's template, you still get something that that looks unique to to you. I love the progression of this. You went from a broad, generic outsourcing service 
then you said, let's narrow in and, and simplify. We're, we're going to do intros, but you're still doing customized intros and you're kind of running an agency model uh, with a high price, but there's still a more complicated touch point needed from you as the owner. And I guess at some point, you know, you might have been able to stay with that track and hire someone to replace yourself as like the, the project manager or the client liaison right. person, right? But you, you right. even thought, well, uh, we can take this further. Let's simplify more and take just a slice of what we already do and productize it so that it's templated. Uh, and yes, right. there's a human component, but it doesn't require a lot of back and forwards with a client. It's just, here's your options, mm. pick them. Mm. And then a human being over in the Philippines will make this video for you. So just to summarize, I should think it's worth mentioning here. What a person does is they go to splashio.com. So that's splashio.com. And then uh, I remember the first time I heard that, Gideon, and I was like, splash engine optimization. <laughs> you know, because I, I kept hearing SEO in that. Um, right. Yeah. So they go to their website, and then it's like, I, at the moment, I think I actually give away a free report at the start. But basically, if right. you're going to buy a, a, a template, or it basically, like, if I was starting a YouTube channel and I want to create an intro for my videos, I would go to Splashio, buy a package, buy a template service, and I'd go through step by step choosing what music, what animation style, I'd upload my logo. Uh, I think there's a few other transition things you can choose, right? Uh, font maybe. And then that data just gets submitted in a form and a person in the Philippines downloads the logo, follows the instructions from that form, puts it in the software, manually exports the logo, and then sends it back via email, a download link to the client. Is that kind of in summary how it works? Pretty much. It's a very, very simple business. And, um, uh, you know, I, I think the key thing to to keep in mind here, whether you follow that sort of process or something else, is that essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to remove risk um, and complication from the business. And the risk and complication comes in whenever there is creativity required for delivering each new uh, new sale or new transaction. So previously with the, the one-off customized uh, intros that we did for people, it was heavily dependent on having a really, really good uh, video editor on board. So what happens if that video editor disappears or something happens, they're sick or something, you know, then, oh, now I've got to find another video editor to help do that. And it's not easy finding those, that sort of top quality um, uh, video editors around. It's really not easy, especially for that high level that, that we were working at. And so so that's a, quite a risky business model. Even though it, it, it can be quite profitable, it's risky. But it's also complicated because you've got to, you know, you gotta, there's a lot of toing and froing between you and the customer. And, you know, a lot can happen. You know, the more interactions there are, the, the more chance there are of, of, of doing something wrong or, or upsetting someone or something breaking, you know. So, so you want to, as far as possible, try and remove that. And so with our, our, our templated options, basically, you know, we, we can get almost anybody to operate that for us uh, as long as they can use the right sort of um, video editing software. They don't have to be creative. It's kind of like McDonald's. You, know, you look at McDonald's, um, you can almost get anybody off the street to come and work in, in a McDonald's store, uh, McDonald's uh, restaurant. And, you know, they, all they need to learn is how to drive the system. They don't have to learn. There's no creative part. They don't have to 
become creative on how to make a Big Mac. You know, the, the creativity has already been taken care of for them. They just drive the system. So there's, there's hardly any creativity in, in that process. And I think that for this kind of business, I'm not saying this is the ultimate business model, but for this kind of business, which is a very um, – uh, it's the kind of business that can give you a lot of freedom, uh, that's very important, you know, automating it to such a degree that you, you remove as much complication from the process and as much creativity from the, you know, uh, that – Sorry, you still need creativity in the business, but you only need that for the setup phase. Mm-hmm. Once the system is running, you know, there's not much creativity required for the workers doing the work. Right, right. I've got a couple of questions for you about this business, Gideon, that I'm sure some of the listeners are thinking about. Uh, let's mm-hmm. start with maybe the obvious one. Why do, because you've had this business now running on autopilot for a number of years, and mm-hmm. it, as we talk now, there are services like Fiverr, uh, and you mentioned before Odesk became Upwork. There's a lot of these big marketplaces where people can buy things and certainly can buy a video intro. Um, why is it that you have a steady customer base? How did, how did you pull that off when there's all these other options? <laughs> really good question, Yaro. And, and sometimes I, uh, you know, I, I wonder about <laughs> the answer, <laughs> to be <Good> honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we were we probably got in at the right time. Uh, we're on the right place, right time with the right sort of offer. That that was definitely part of it. So I guess that you could call that luck, or um, you know, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. That sort of thing. Because yep. you know, as as we've heard, you know, preceding this business, there was you know, I, I was you know working in the industry for six years or so. Um, so so it wasn't complete luck, but it was you know taking action within that space. I think that that gave us a bit of a head start. But I. I you know, I, I think you know there's um, something else that is unique, maybe about our business, and um, in most businesses that that fall that become more of a in a, a competitive industry, this this sort of thing happens. Um, everyone becomes kind of the same, and you've got to find a way to look and feel and appear unique. And the best way that we've been able to be unique in a way is to treat every single customer of ours with a unique experience. And and that just basically means that there we do have we do still have uh, some humor in, human interaction there with each and every customer. So for example, when someone comes through Splash Show and they they want to get a, an intro done, yes, most of it is systemized. But we have real people looking at each and every job to make sure that the end result is just 100%. And a lot of these things are very difficult to automate to perfection. And so what we end up doing is we, we give each customer the perfect thing mm-hmm. that they that they are want, wanted to buy in the first place. And so a few things happen with this. Number one, a ref- refund rate is virtually zero. It's virtually zero. I, I can't actually remember the last time we, we got a refund request for, for any of our jobs, which is fantastic. It's, it's, it's wonderful. We should clarify. How much um, does it cost to, to do it today? Uh, 47 US dollars for an intro. And I, and I find if you don't want to answer this question, but being a services arbitrage model, some of that goes to the person in the Philippines who does the work. Do you, right. Do you, can you give us a percentage roughly? How, how, like, what's your margin on this? 
Um, it, the margin is healthy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> safe, safe answer. <laughs> um, could you also just uh, maybe uh, as a guest, uh, not, not guesstimate, uh, 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 a rough average, how much money do you think this business has done since it started now in terms of like oh, revenue? I, I, I don't know. I haven't actually looked. I mean, the, the interesting thing about this business is that it's it's been on, from my point of view, on complete autopilot for the last I, I don't even know, three years or so. You know, I've been busy with V-Roll now for three years, so it's probably um, about three years because what happened with Splashio was that we were able to set it up to to bring in a, a decent revenue. It was, it was never like the kind of business that you might retire from, but I think the only reason for that is because I, I stopped focusing on it. You know, at, at one point I, I don't know, being an entrepreneur or whatever, I kind of got bored and I wanted to do the next thing. That was one reason. But the other reason was I actually finally found a team that could, um, a development team that could, could automate stuff for me. Mm-hmm. And you know, that was the birth of V-Roll. So V-Roll is actually like an outcome of, of Splasher. Splasher was like the pre-runner for V-Roll. But I, you know, decided to create a new brand for that. Um, okay. Where was I going with this? Yeah, um, before we talk about V-Roll, let me just uh, want to summarize a couple of things because I, I want to throw a thought at, at you regarding why people choose Splashio. Uh, and I, I really do think that the specialization you chose to to narrow in on uh, turned Splashio into something you could just by looking at the website and possibly by how you found out about it because you you did some you know clever uh, influencer marketing where you know you've got Pat Flynn talking about it and you've got lots of other well known people saying if you need a video intro go to Splashio you know they're not saying go find a random person on Fiverr which is kind of what the default answer is but then you're dealing with all the ambiguity of who you're going to get what's the quality going to be like uh they probably do you know more custom work and you had specialized templated you did nothing but this job and you've got testimonials you've got these influencer endorsements so it's kind of easy to see that you might be charging even a little bit more because it's probably a ten dollar job at fiverr right but you're getting a different Mm -hmm. layer of level of quality plus all that trust that's coming from your website and how they've learned about your service. I think that is probably more than anything what's mm. kept people choosing Splashio over and over again. It's like, I'll buy from the service where I don't have to worry whether it's going to be good or not. I, I'm going to be happy with it. And your yeah. refund rate, the lack thereof, is probably another you know evidence of that situation. Yeah. Really good point, Yaro. And, uh, you know, so, you know, when you think about um, – the reason why a transaction takes place in the first place. You need you need three key ingredients. Uh, one is you need the right audience, so the right person, right? Mm-hmm. Second, you need to be making the right kind of offer to that person, which, you know, targets the right problem for them and, and offers the right solution for them. That's, that's the second thing, right? So the right person with the right offer. But those two are still useless without the third ingredient, uh, which is trust, and if you do not have enough trust in the relationship, then then there can't be any kind of relation. There can't be any kind of transaction. So you know, that is certainly something that we've we've been really strong on with with Splash here, just just using any kind of proof element uh, wherever possible in our process. Um, but also just being around for so long, you know, that there's a lot of trust that's built in there. And, and, and something, you know, to be said about some other services like, you know, I'm not sure where Fiverr is at these days, but certainly when, when we were just starting out, a lot of people asked us about Fiverr. And, you know, the thing is with Fiverr, um, you know, sometimes you don't quite know where those sort of animations or music options are coming from that the person is using. And, and you know, we we know 
you know, um, there's, there's always the risk. I'll, I'll put it that way. You know, I wouldn't, I think Fiverr is a great service. I just want to get that straight out of the, uh, out of the, the, the blocks, you know, Fiverr is an amazing service. Um, but I think if you've just got to be a little bit, um, intelligent with, with how you work with, with some of the, uh, um, workers there to make sure that whatever they, they are using for you also doesn't get you into trouble, um, when it comes to royalty free, uh, kind of music and, and animation options. Um, so with, with, with Splash, you know, there's, there's zero risk with that because all of our work is 100% unique in, in, and unique to Splash here. And, and we pass that uniqueness and, and royalty freeness onto our, onto our customer without any issues. And, you know, the reason I'm saying this is, is not to talk down on, on anybody else, but more to talk more in terms of, you know, the, the, the general lesson here is that it's a lesson of building trust. And so people know that they can come to Splash Show without without the risk of getting into trouble, then you know that 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 adds a lot to to that trust equation. I have a few more questions on Splash Show that I'd love to ask, but I'm actually going to save them because I can ask you them about both Splash Show and B-roll at the same time. So, how does Splash Show become the spawning point for B-roll? How? Uh, yeah, one one um, reason was boredom, <laughs> and, and um, you know I'm I'm quite a creative person. I, I can't sit still for too long, and you know when it comes to creativity, I, I need to be working on creative things all the time. And so with Splash Show, part of the so it's a double edged sword. There, it's it's a very at the beginning it was very creative, but once it was set up, um, you know there wasn't much much creativity left in the business, and so I needed I needed another creative outlet, and so. That was one reason, uh, but also I I was really keen on on having a development team to automate the the software because I had quite a big vision for Splasher. Splasher was going to be the Splasher was going to be the multi million dollar business that I was going to retire from and sell, you know, mm-hmm. or sell and then retire. Um, and, and and never quite got there because I I could never have the team to to automate my you know the the templates and stuff like that. So I kind of just left it there because you know about three three and a half years ago I, I met up with um, um, J- JC Bouglay uh, from from Singapore. A friend of mine, he's French, but he's from, he lives in Singapore. Uh, and and you know I noticed that he had a, a pretty cool development team. They were doing some other software at the time, and and we just started talking. On, and before we we actually met at um, a, trop- a tropical think tank with Chris Ducker, and before that event. The initial idea for V-Roll came up, and I was, I was going to do it through Splashio, um, if I remember right. I was going to do it through Splashio, but then then I met up with JC, and I thought, hey, why don't we why don't we team up together and and create these video ads, these automated video ads um, for YouTube, which just started with YouTube. And uh, JC had the team, I had the idea, and we we said this sounds cool. Let's do it. Um, but then you know, to keep things simple from a, you know, um, Testing. logistics point of view, we, we said let's let's create a new brand. Let's create a whole new brand, and and that you know that's how Vroll came about. So let me just clarify. Then your idea with Splashio was video intros, and you were thinking, well, that's just one little aspect of what people need for video. There's also the ads that people play on you know at the beginning of a youtube video in the middle uh, and that that's a massive opportunity because that's a growing marketplace at the, uh, that's global right it's up against facebook ads and google ads yeah. and you, 
So you had the idea, well, the same concept, submit some details, get a person in the Philippines to create the video. That's where the, the outsourcing, the arbitrage sort of happens in terms of the services mm -hmm. arbitrage model. And, and uh, it, it wasn't a big extension from what you're already doing. You just now, by the sounds of things, were more excited about getting software to be more part of the equation than only using human automation. Is that right? Yeah. Well, the the real driver, or the you know the the bottom line driver for all of this was that uh, throughout my career as a, a video video kind of person, uh, my number one frustration was the video editing. You know, I just I just couldn't stand how long it would take and how complicated it would be, and, and that was just painful because I just wanted to get these videos out. And so I was always searching for uh, the, a better way of, of doing it. And so the ultimate dream, and still is the dream, is to completely automate uh, video production so that you don't ever have to use any video editing software. That's still the bigger dream. So Splasher was, was um, I mean, Flickdisk was, was kind of that. You know, It was like instead of automating it, you get, you get people to do it for you. But then Splasher was the first step toward automating that, that whole process. Vero is the next step, step up, but we're just honing in once again going narrow with just video ads and um so so just tackling that for now and um so how, and you build you know, just, how do we build it yeah um in which way the, the software or the market well, yeah, i mean <laughs> okay so uh this is actually a question i wanted to ask you about last year but i was saving for v-roll as well um uh, and but maybe okay. you can explain it with the origin story of v-roll here if you continue it because, you know, you, you launch a service and what do you do? You just emailed your list and say, Hey, we now make video ads. Like, it's, is it as simple as that? And you have a wave of customers coming at you and, you know, you used your existing yeah. web designer to build the website. Like, what, how did it all piece by piece come together? <laughs> yeah. So, so the interesting thing with Splash Show and, and also with V-Roll was that, um, I've never actually launched either of the two businesses. They were never officially launched. Um, we did have releases. But we never had like a traditional launch where we had like a launch week and limited time offer type of thing, you know, where, where we had lots of other people promoting for us. So how do you get customers, Keen? Um, <laughs> yeah. Golden question. So with, with, with Splash Show, I, I, uh, what happened there was I already had my existing audience that I built up, you know, through um, – the business that you left out in the introduction, by the way, was uh, rapid video blogging. Oh, of course. I the course. <laughs> <Okay, again. laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, I, I gained a, quite a decent following from that. All, all of them interested in, in video marketing, video production. So obviously I used that to, to um, introduce people to the, to the new company, Splashio. And that gave it a bit of a kickstart. Uh, and I had a few videos on my YouTube channel, which was, which was at the time getting some good traffic. Um, but I think, you know, and, and then I also reached out to people like Pat Flynn and, and other influencers that, that gave me some, some good organic, uh, traffic. So interesting thing with, with Splash here, I never launched it uh, officially and also never had a content marketing plan or activity there. There's no blog, um, for, for Splash here. There's no YouTube channel for Splash here. And, um, kind of ironic, and <laughs> it's ironic and, and the traffic just keeps on coming. I, I think, you know, it's just being in the right place at the right time that that that, that one came about. Vero, on the other hand, was a lot harder. We had to do a lot more work to to get traction there. Because at, at the time when I launched Vero, my existing audiences were were down a bit, but also um, it was a different different audience. You know, very different audience. You know, people who buy intros are not the same kind of people who might necessarily want to run video ads. 
you know, um, and people who do video blogging are even less likely to run video ads because they, you know, they do video blogging because it's perceived as free, you know, it's organic, fr- free, in inverted commas, traffic. Whereas video ads, you know, you got to pay for it. <laughs> so it's a very different audience. And we only sort of realized that a bit later down the track. So it was much harder to to grow VRL at the beginning because, we, you know, we couldn't just send them to our existing audiences because, you know, people wouldn't respond as much. Um, and so we had to use different strategies to, to grow V-Roll uh, compared to Splashshare. Like? Uh, one thing that, that worked really well for us in the first year, um, in the, you know, in the first calendar year of, of V-Roll, we, we made over a, a million dollars in our local currency. And a big, big part of that revenue came from, um, from doing webinars, webinars in particular, and having a special offer. In the first year, we... We um, um, we sold a lifetime access plan to V-Roll for about a thousand dollars, which I still think is is uh, those people who got that got a good deal. Trust me, because they you know, they still get all the new updates from from the platform. Any any new new software updates we have, they still get it. But they only paid once, and um, you know we've had people in there now since since that beginning. It's almost three years now, so. Um, so we used that, but but you know, that gave us uh, a really good cash flow uh, for that beginning, just to to help us pay for stuff, pay for, you know build our team, pay for marketing, pay for ads. Um, it, it worked really well, but it, it was also a very tough year. You know, um, doing those promotions was was it took a toll. There's no doubt about it. Because you were the one um, delivering but, webinars over and over and over again, right? Right, right, right. And, um, you know, we probably could have done a lot better if there was someone else doing it. Because, I mean, I was only doing like, I, 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 I can't remember. We, we aim for one a week, but we, I don't think we ever got, got down to that. But, um, you know, it's conceivable to think that if you've got a smooth process and someone just focusing on it, you could probably have two or three webinars a week if you've got the right sort of um, mm. um, joint venture partners. That's the hard part, board. right? Not just doing the webinar, but getting right. a new partner for every webinar. To oh yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, you know, I there's no way that I could have done it on my own. We had um, a, 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 a JV manager join us, uh, uh, Karen, um, um, uh, Karen Mc, Mc, goodness, I can't remember his surname now because I never see his <laughs> surname. McDonald. It's Everybody's McDonald. McDonald. Yeah, it's McDonald. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Have McDonald's Sorry, Karen. Macintosh McDonald's. Oh, Karen, uh, let me now. Let me at least get his right name, right surname. Yes. Karen McDonough. So McDonough. Anyway, whose Karen job was, was to go uh, find partners? Right, right. And he already had uh, some good networks developed, and so he was fantastic like that. He would he would just bring people in. Um, <clears throat> so. So that was good, but you know, one one key thing I, I think that was important for us was that that we realized only also afterwards. You know, you can see this stuff in retrospect. Was that the 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 two things the the partners you get on board and also the people that they send you are just critical for your long term success and also your happiness. Critical, and I think one of the biggest lessons we learned was that we perhaps got the wrong people to promote for us at the beginning. And, and as a result, we also attracted the wrong people into our business. Mm. So two, two levels there. You know, some, some people who promoted for us ended up copying us. Mm. <laughs> it was in that particular crowd. It was just, it was just, 
and there's it, nothing nothing to do with Karen. It was just those individuals, you know. These people would they were just just the wrong people to to associate with, um, and that that left a really bad taste in the mouth, you know. Like I, I just couldn't believe it. It was it was a very draining a very draining time for us. The other thing that that it did was it sent, um, you know, because our offer was so so good, you know, we could, you know, we were good at the marketing, good at sales with, with the webinars and stuff. And because of the webinar model, it's it's easy to sell stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, we ended up <clears throat> getting people into the platform who weren't as qualified. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they were a massive, massive drain on our support system. We, we mm-hmm. support team. We had to really... It's it's not like we can just could just leave people because uh, and and just say sorry, you know we really had to jump to the occasion and uh, and and provide support for these people who who didn't know what a video ad was, they didn't know what a landing page was, um, they didn't have any idea about um, persuasive sort of language or, or how to you know for for the video ads you just need to write in five lines of text and and basically hit a button and then five minutes later you get a video but even just writing those five lines of text turned out to be a massive challenge mm. for for our um, audience and so this put a massive drain on our support um, and once again draining us as as a as a founding team um, tremendously and you know, so much to the point that we we ended up burning out um, as as a team and um, and for a while there you know we were struggling a bit um, and, and we had to regroup. We had to really regroup and, and revisit how we wanted to grow the business. Now, I'm, I'm really glad to say that we found a much better way now for, for growing the business that um, I think is a much more solid long-term view of growing a business too. Which is? Oh, how much time do you have? <laughs> well, you, Gideon, you got to go. So we got 10 minutes left according to the, uh, the Gideon clock. Um, yeah, um, I mean, this, this could be a whole new podcast episode in, in itself, <laughs> I guess. But just, just quickly, um, you know, um, one another key motivation for me for building Splash Show and also V-Roll was that, you know, ever since I did my own launches back in the day, um, with with uh, joint venture partners, it was always uh, a two edged sword. You know, it'd be great to get that traffic, um, and it'd be very profitable sort of traffic. But it'd always be the reciprocity with uh, the JV partners. We, you'd always feel like you've got to do something back for them, or or, or um, you know that sort of thing. And um, the other thing is that in the digital world, you know, often the commissions were like 50%. Mm-hmm. And um, so you immediately, when you launch, you lose 50% of your revenue. So what if there was a better way where you didn't need to have joint venture partners to, to grow your business? You know, you could keep 100% of the revenue to yourself. Um, and you didn't have that, that stress of finding joint venture partners and, and also managing those relationships and worrying about that reciprocity that gets created through a, like a launch process. Mm-hmm. So, so we're really, I've, I've been searching basically for the last decade uh, for models where um, you're not so dependent on those joint venture relationships. And I'm, I'm happy to say that the thing we're doing now is, is a much better way of doing it. So, so what we have now is um, – uh, the, the sort of traffic we we focus on is obviously paid traffic is a big part of our strategy. Um, the organic thing is a, 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 also a big part of that. Like guest posting is still has worked tremendously well for us, um, and um, and you know we have had some some partner or influencer kind of relationships as well. But it's much different now. It's uh, you know, 
when, whenever we think about a joint venture now, it's much more, we think much more strategically. Instead of just a, a quick and, you know, quick promo for a webinar, we think, how can we partner strategically with this company and, you know, be very, very selective with the companies? How can we partner with them and perhaps even integrate our software into their service or their service into ours? Or integrate our marketing into their marketing funnel, you know, like so that's an it's an ongoing relationship rather than uh, just this one-off thing that happens once a year. Mm-hmm. So, so we still do it, but in a, in a very different way. Um, yeah, and that's I mean that's just the traffic side, which is just just one of one of four main areas that we focus on now. Uh, Did you want to talk about those as well? <laughs> well, first of all, I have to say I'm glad to hear that you're actually you know you you now use video ads to promote your video ad service, <laughs> you know, cause <laughs> that makes sense. Um, yeah. let, let me just, uh, cause you know, you do have, I, I feel like we've got five more minutes here before you have to run off. So, uh, can I just ask you, I think a, a, the most important question for the listeners uh, here, cause we could continue to like dissect every aspect of this business and Splashio and, and everything like that. But what really matters is a person is listening to this and they're actually very keen on, on, diving into the services arbitrage model, probably with manual human automation first. Uh, and as you've demonstrated, you know, you took something that looks like a software type service initially with uh, video creation, which, you know, it's hard to imagine that as something you, that you can't do video creation without software, but you can have another human being using the software who you hire and you run a business. So, if there's a person listening to this, they've got an idea for a service, it, it could be something more complicated could be something more simple it could be something that's complicated now and you've demonstrated the need to make it simple through the story you share with us today what do you believe are the the first steps that need to happen especially given that you know maybe unlike yourself uh, Gideon you had this built up audience and connections and uh, you know an email list and you were in this industry so there's a lot of advantages and, and that obviously makes sense but there might be some people here who are with their first business essentially going to sell a service, how would you recommend they start? What's their, their minimal viable service test that you recommend? Yeah, great question. Uh, certainly, certainly the manual version would be the way to go. So, um, you know, don't, don't try and automate or even systemize it at the beginning. Just, just keep it rough as guts at the beginning and, and make those mistakes at the beginning to see where the sticking points are. Um, but even stepping Back a little bit to a higher level. Um, I think there's there's three things you got to get right, and a service arbitrage business is actually a tremendous business model for helping you get to that point where you get these three things right. Uh, because um, you know, in a way, what you're doing with the service arbitrage business is, is essentially you're, you're setting up a minimum viable kind of product. That it's the minimum viable thing that you can set up that you can sell for a profit you know it's not a complicated thing it's just this most simple thing that you can um, sell that's that's a manual version of it okay but even for that to to make that work you need you need these three things you need to first make sure that you are talking to the right people you know the right audience the right target audience get that wrong nothing else matters and then Next thing is you've got to make sure that you're actually solving a problem for them and that it's the right problem you're solving for them. Um, you know, for a while there, uh, for Splash here, and I think that's maybe part of the reason why it, it, it's, it's never fully taken off to, to the degree that VROL has, is that 
yes, it does solve a problem for the right people, but it's not really the kind of problem that people leave lose sleep over. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I don't, I can't imagine any video marketer waking up three o'clock in the morning going, "Oh, I, I don't have an intro for my video. I need, I need, I need somewhere to go and find it." You know? <laughs> so it's it's not a pressing pain that that Splashio solves necessarily, even though it's still a successful business and it brings in passive income for us. Um, it, it's slightly misaligned. So we have the right audience, perhaps. But do we have the right solution? You know, do we have, do we, do actually, sorry, do we target the right problem? Um, and so that's the first thing, the audience. Second thing is, is the, that you're targeting the right problem um, for them and that you're actually, you know, solving the right problem for them. And then the third thing is the actual solution. You know, does your solution completely or as, as complete as possible with your minimum viable product solve that problem? For your customer, so so in the startup world, they they have fancy names for these things. They call them things like audience to problem match. You know, do you have? That's the first thing you look at. Do you have audience to problem match? You know, that are you? Do you have the right audience, and are you solving the right problem? That's the first thing. And once you got that, you go okay. Now, do we have problem to solution match? And which is you know, are you solving? Are you solving the problem in the right way? That's basically the question that that answers. And, and so when you have those two things in place, then and only then do you start thinking about um, automating and scaling. Mm-hmm. Because anything before that point, you're just going to be wasting your time and your money. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what's so beautiful about a service arbitrage business because it doesn't cost you much to set it up at all. You can, you can set up the basic version of it and it's a manual version. Uh, even if you've got to do it yourself, who cares? Um, you do it as a learning experience. Because then later on, once you've got it nailed, because you know that's the thing. If, if if it doesn't work, you can quickly change it. If that still doesn't work, you tweak it. You tweak, keep on tweaking it until you got the service-based uh, model perfected, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And and then you go, okay, cool. Now, how do we systemize this? How do we automate it? Mm-hmm. And how do we scale it? And not before that point. And uh, just one little addendum to that: How do you recommend they actually source a first customer? Mm, it depends on on your existing experience, but if you, this is if you're totally new to the game, mm-hmm. let's say you're you know, uh, you're going to deliver the service manually. Maybe it's with a contract, or maybe you do it yourself, um, and and you want to test it to see whether there's demand for. It. Like you just said, you want to test it to learn the 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 match to the problem. You're not entirely sure you're hitting yeah. that nail on the head. So where do you find that first, second, third customer to validate the idea? Oh, I think I think these days. Probably the best place to start is like either with your family or friends, or extending that the, the people you you know on on, on Facebook. Uh, and I know it, it, you know this is the sort of thing that you don't want to overdo because you could lose your friends and family, <laughs> you know, all the respect. <laughs> but you know, uh, I, I just had a, a session with with someone else who's actually setting up this very type of business, a service arbitrage business. And they were going, where do we get our first traffic from? So, well, okay, let's have a look at how many Facebook followers you've got. Let's look at how many Instagram followers you've got. Let's, uh, you know, between couples, between him and his wife. Mm-hmm. And then I said, okay, well, cool. There's already a few thousand people there that you can just introduce the idea to mm-hmm. and, and just see what happens. You know, not all of them is going to be targeted, of course, but at least they know you and they'll they'll give it a go. And uh, some of them, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, from that, that might be enough. To, to help you get started. And um, probably the easiest next thing, or mm, I'm not sure if it's the easiest, but it's certainly the quickest if you if you can get your head around it, 
is to um, start looking at some paid ads. And you can do some really, really basic stuff very, very quickly on Facebook now and Instagram as well, where you can get traffic. You know, if you if you're if you're seasoned, you can you can set it all up within an hour. And we're setting up video ads within an hour, for example, the whole thing mm-hmm. from concept to video production to the campaign and getting traffic all within the hour. Um, you know, that's if we're really quick. But if you if you're a bit slower and you're new to this, maybe it'll take you a day. Um, to to set that up and start getting traffic to your to your landing page, so um, and then later on you can start doing the more influencer stuff where you get you team up with people to promote for you. But that's where I start. I start with your immediate surrounding um, uh, friends and network that you have. Then look at paid ads um, if you you know if you if you've got the the guts for it, <laughs> and and then the influencer sort of marketing would. Uh, be the third one. You just said the word landing page before. So are you sort of assuming the way you present the offer here is just like a one pager to, to offer the, the basic version of your service to begin with? Yeah, well, you need to send people somewhere. I mean, uh, uh, unless it's it's sort of more of a, um, uh, a word of uh, like a uh, unless you can just talk to people and convert people over the phone, you know, like, and, and that that might be something you do as well. And, and you got to you got to you got to have some sort of a call to action, right? So you got to say to people, hey, I've got this cool thing that I can help you with. You know, either A, go to my website to find out more, or B, give me a call, or C, send me an email, or whatever it is. You need some sort of a, a call to action to engage those people. Mm-hmm. And then once you've got them engaged, you take them through the process to to sell them um, or to warm up that relationship first and then to sell them into into your product or service that you have available. Okay, Gideon, I think that's a great spot to end it on. There's uh, some actions there you can take. There's a whole story behind two services arbitrage businesses and one that I think even evolved beyond services arbitrage to become a proper software startup, which you're still uh, in the throes of now, a multi-million dollar software business. Uh, let's give people the links for starters. So uh, what are the, well, the two most important website addresses we should share are uh, well, I, I think um, Splasher is a good one to go and have a look at. So, as you said, Splash and then EO.com. And as you'll see, it is a very, very simple business. Um, we haven't updated the website for many years. <laughs> and to this day, it still brings in uh, passive income for us. Well, passive for me. I mean, we have one or two people working in it, but it's, it's a very well automated business. Um, well, systemized business, I should say. Uh, and the other one is V-Roll, which is V-E-E-R-O-L-L.com. And that's if you're interested in running video ads on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and you don't want to be creating or editing the videos yourself. So we've got a set of templates here that you can choose from. And uh, you just type in a few lines of text, maybe upload a few images, hit a button, and five minutes later you got your video. Okay, fantastic. Anything else you want to throw at us, Gideon, before we, we wrap it up? No, I, I think this was uh, great fun, Yarrow. Uh, thanks so much for having me on the call. I'm not sure if I've ever been on your podcast before, but um, maybe I have. <laughs> I was thinking about it. I know I interviewed <laughs> you about, uh, not for the podcast, but I definitely had you in uh, talking about video marketing uh, in one of the programs along the lines. I can't remember which one it was. Right. <laughs> Blog Mastermind, maybe. Uh, yeah. Anyway, there's definitely yeah. there's been a few interviews, but this is the first probably public podcast. So welcome to the Entrepreneur's yeah. Journey podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. That's so much fun. Thanks. Okay. Everyone listening in, make sure you go and check out both of Gideon's uh, websites uh, just to learn more about what he does and what he talked about today. 
And of course, if you do want the show notes and any of the other details that went along, like all the links, of course, will be there. If you don't understand what we're saying when you say V-Roll and Splashio, you can find those links at my blog. And the best way to find that is Google Yarrow, Y-A-R-O. Then hit the podcast tab and you'll find Gideon Shalwick's episode listed there. My name is Yarrow. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'll talk to you very soon. I hope you benefited from all the wisdom that Gideon delivered in that interview. He has had a lot of experience now with all kinds of different businesses. And in particular, I hope you took a lot away from this type of business called services arbitrage that Gideon has created two businesses with, Splashio and V-Roll. Now, if you are interested in launching your own services arbitrage business and you'd like training from me, I have an entire short course on the services arbitrage business model where I take you behind the scenes of my essay editing company, which is actually the first business I ever earned a full-time income from online. And I teach you how to essentially set up a services arbitrage business, how to go through a testing and research process, and then how to automate your company just like I did, as well as how Gideon has done, especially with his Splashio business example. It can basically become uh, a near passive income stream. If you're interested in that, head to LaptopLifestyleAcademy.com and ideally, if you've got the right timing, the Academy will be open. If not, you can join my email list and I'll let you know as soon as the doors open to the Laptop Lifestyle Academy. That's where my services arbitrage course is delivered. It's just part of the overall membership inside the Academy. That's Laptop Lifestyle Academy. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Thanks for listening. My name is Yarrow and I'll talk to you on the very next EJ podcast. Bye-bye.